You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey everyone, happy holidays. It's Al McManus coming back to you this week. Wanted to let you know that there are brand new items in the merchandise store featuring Shiprock 2021 designs. So go check those out at your convenience and in the comfort of your own home and couch and underwear. Whatever you're doing, pick up a couple items for you and your beloved metalhead. And keep a lookout for a few more Christmas items that will be added very soon. Hashtag soon. Enjoy the episode. Making Waves Welcome to Making Ways, uh, the Shiprock Podcast. Listen, real quick, before we start, um, don't forget to subscribe to Making Waves. And if you like what you're hearing, uh, please rate and review it and tell your friends about it. And uh, we would appreciate that. Tonight's a really special uh, edition of Making Waves. We have probably definitely one of the biggest virtuosos of the electric guitar uh, probably the last 25 years. And uh, we're, we're very uh, pleased to have him tonight. So please, everyone, welcome uh, Ron Bumblefoot Fowl. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Bumba, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. It's good to see you yeah. guys. You as well, man. You as well. Listen, uh, before we start, obviously, information, the news came out today that Shiprock 2021, unfortunately, is going to be moved to uh, early 2022. We'll have that information coming to you next week. Um, again, it's just one of these situations we find ourselves in. It's very unique. But uh, listen, it's all going to be for the best because we're going to do a, uh, be able to produce and present the cruise to you guys that you're always used to. And it's not going to be one of these ones that has you know, any kind of protocols that are, that are sort of in place right now. We want it to be the full-blown extravaganza you guys are used to. So with that said, uh, Ron, 2020, it's been interesting, but you've been busy, my friend. Um, you've been busy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you've got two really significant uh, things that have happened for you. Obviously, you've had this uh, planetary, was it planetary? Uh, planetary lockdown. Oh, yeah, the song. Yeah. Planetary yeah. lockdown, where you basically had invited people to come on and play, pretty much play <laughs> any instrument known to man, right? Oh, uh, so, yeah, I put out a song in April. It was one of the first things when I was just isolating in the studio every day. And I finished up a song and put it out as well as uh, a couple of acoustic albums and all kinds of stuff uh, with some of my bandmates from Sons of Apollo. We did some Beatles covers, just having fun, just taking advantage of this unexpected time and using it to, to be creative. So I made that song, and then over the summer, I said, you know what, let me take out my guitar parts and just leave it open and, and put it out there where anybody can put their own stuff in there. 
So guitar players started adding solos to it, and, and I had a sax player, I had singers, I had violinists, flute player, like all kinds of stuff. I had full bands that were all doing their own thing to it. Uh, a tabla player from India, like all kinds of things. And it's been over now over 400 videos people have made of themselves playing to this song. So I'm glad that, that people enjoyed it and they got to connect in that way because you find that all the different people that would play on it, they would check out everyone else that's playing on it and it created all these, these connections through these musicians that normally wouldn't have. So, so that that's, was so, that's so awesome. So, you're, so are these videos that are out there are they just on your channel? Because I, I, I went to find out what this was all about, or they are their own videos Everywhere. that are tagging you? Sick. Yeah, Do you they, have like a TikTok channel or something too? So, so they post them either on Facebook or Instagram or, or YouTube or wherever, and they send me a link and then I share it as well. Oh, yeah. cool. Right do, you, do, you, do you see yourself at any point then uh, maybe as some of the some of the ones that really blew you away i'm sure all of them were fantastic do you ever see yourself when things kind of settle down maybe getting them all together as one big collective and and redoing it together as this mass ensemble <laughs> that would be pretty insane you know we, we always yeah. see things that are like 400 drummers doing the same song together i said that would right. be fantastic if you did that but anyone can that that's cool. on youtube right this the the, the uh Oh. Yeah, if you just do a search of it, you'll find so many videos everywhere and from all over the world. I had a lot of guitar players from Iran, from all kinds of places. Yeah, wow. like wow. places you would not, you know, besides just the UK and, and the US, all so over the everyone, world. So you guys can look for a planetary lockdown on YouTube, and I'm sure it's going to bring up a thousand different searches. Check all of them out because... As, as Ron just said, there's a lot of people doing this song. So that's interesting. But what just came out pretty much as more recent is the, is the Ellison album, No Cover. Yes. 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 The no Cover album. So and, we've been uh, working on that over the summer as well and finished that up. Yeah. How did, how did that all come together? Oh, well, how did it even begin? It's just uh, David's been working on, on a, a solo record, and I've been contributing to that. And just while working on that, I was like, hey, there's all these covers that, that we love, let's record them. And he, he wanted to make us an album of covers, and he did. So really, the bulk of the album was made by, of course, David. And uh, sorry, I have the brain fog, and every time I'm about to say a name, it disappears for about 10 seconds out of, sure. out of my head. <laughs> It's the COVID brain fog that you hear so much about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all had that. We, yeah, we, we caught it early on. Uh, <laughs> but so some of the players so, in our, is that uh, Portnoy and, and Jeff Scott and all those guys? Oh, in what? And, and, uh, who, who are some of the players on, the, on this record, on the Allison record? I'm the, sorry. Oh, my God, so many. I need a list. I'll have to get you a to Ramble off a list because there's so many people on there. Um, amazing people. Uh, but How yeah. rad is it that you're able to like connect with all of your not only your friends and you know family in this world, but obviously new musicians and like what I've just heard in the past five minutes is you tell me that you're basically uh, a the queen spider building a huge entire connection of webs through you, you know what what we all love to do, and you're actually influencing other people to participate. 
and then you get to make music with your friends. You're like you. I think you win lockdown. Actually, <laughs> I mean, honestly, everyone is doing this. It's not just me. Like musicians everywhere are all. There are so many people that are playing together that normally wouldn't get to because this one's on tour, and when they're not, this one's on tour, and when he's not, this one's on tour, and nobody can connect. Now we're all in one solid place, each of us, and we could do all of these things that normally could not happen. So right. that's the one, uh, I don't know if you call anything plus <laughs> to, uh, to this, but one of the positive side effects, I guess you can say, is that all these musicians get to do something together, get to be creative together, get to make our little quarantine videos together and all those different things. And that yeah. wouldn't be happening if we all didn't have the rug pulled out and, and had to be in the studio and in one place for a long enough time that we can get the momentum to be creative. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, the uh, stay creative was basically the thing that was going to help a lot of people fight their boredom. Um, now, let me ask you with this. You guys took this on the road for a little bit, right? We did. We actually... <laughs> crazily enough we toured a, a lot in november we toured and uh we did two shows in texas one in louisiana we did we played in chicago on the night of the day that the state went into full lockdown wow, so i figured wow. the show would get canceled but it didn't and uh played in indiana we did two shows in wisconsin actually two shows in illinois uh yeah, and just super careful. I kept my vocal microphone inside this jacket, inside pocket, where it doesn't touch any air other than my own. That sounds weird. Uh, but only I touch this mic, and I put it on for sound check. I take it off and put it on for the show. I take it off. I sang, and I did the whole show with a mask on. I sang with a mask on. Anytime, if I was in any contact with anyone, I would pull out. I think it's still in my pocket. No. Whereas it's in there, it's in my bag. But my sanitizer and, and just really was very strict about the rules uh, and did okay. And everyone in the band did okay. Nobody got it. And everyone tested wow. negative. So, yeah, so I would do all my shows like this, like looking like a fucking bank robber. Yeah, yeah, you look straight, you look straight up like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn and walk around this, this dark alley. I'm not going to go down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like I'm about to rob a train in the 1800s. You're loading out guitars and it just looks like you're stealing shit. <laughs> hey, when you're uh, in Chicago, I got to ask though, when you're in Chicago and that was the night, right? Did you guys prep yourself? Did you, like you were already on the road doing these shows when everything came to fruition, I would assume, right? And then you're in Chicago and they shut down. Did you, do you like recall like a, like a sense of fear or vibes that were just kind of like, this is going to get really weird. Did the show suffer at all? Any of those sort of things? Of course. I mean, to be doing shows during a pandemic is very risky. Uh, you, know, you don't want to be the cause of this thing spreading even more. Uh, you do your part. That's all we can do is our own part and follow the rules. And we just ask that everybody does that. Yeah. That's, I mean, it was yeah. so early on, too. Like, at that point, you're talking about March. So at, oh, no, nobody knows November. what's no, this oh, is just shit. This is the last month. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking like, I, yeah. you, when you said shut down in Chicago, I was like, oh, he was like there I mean, the day the they like, shut down. Oh, wow. Oh, that's kind of cool that you got to play. I didn't, I, I didn't even know that that was a 
thing. That's so cool. I thought I was thinking in my brain, dude. I, I'm so sorry. I got the COVID uh, fog myself. Uh, I was thinking, yeah. he, oh, he was on the but, road when this came. Holy but crap. I was the first time too. I have been. Yeah. So all right, let's. We could begin in South Africa, where I oh was in God. October, where I got deathly ill with something. Who knows what it probably was, but it lasted seven weeks and it was brutal. Uh, I thought it was the flu. And from there, I went to uh, Eastern Canada and did shows. And I didn't even have a voice. I had to, it's crazy. I had to, I couldn't sing. So I would play things instrumentally. And then in order to talk to the audience, I got an app where I could type things in and it would speak what I typed in Stephen Hawking's voice. (laughs) So I was telling the story of how, how I caught you know, something really bad from getting a little too friendly with a penguin in South Africa. And it was actually kind of half true. But from there, um, then I went to Korea and China. And while in China last November of 2019, they started getting reports of people getting sick from some kind of thing, from something they ate. Uh, From there, I went to Indonesia and Vietnam. And then... Uh, home for a little bit and then did the uh, January 2000, well, actually in the very beginning, starting January 3rd, I was doing some solo shows. Uh, then Sons of Apollo started touring for, for our new album, uh, 2020. And we played in late January into early February around the US. And then uh, a few weeks off and we went to Europe. And just as things were blowing up there, we had 20 dates to do and we got about four shows in and then things were shutting down. And I was like, we, even if we wanted to do this, we're not going to be able to. And we put a lot of stuff in storage in, you know, in Germany and flew home as it was like watching like the gates close behind us. <laughs> and, and it was strange because in the beginning, as we started canceling, there were a lot of places that were unaffected yet. And they were like, we don't have any cases here. You shouldn't be canceling, blah, blah, blah. And a week later, those countries were shut down and it was really getting bad. And uh, yeah, so we got out. Uh, there were some other bands we know that were also on tour at the same time that did come home with the virus and some of them got very sick. Uh, Fortunately, they all survived, and that's it. And then that was it. Yeah. But you guys got home. You weren't stuck over there or anything like that. You, like they didn't no. keep you in. Oh, wow, that's great. No, we got wow. home before that. Anything like that was happening. Uh, and you're like a you're like a true like a badass. <laughs> we we <laughs> got double edged bathroom stories to that shit. Really pretty on. much a week a week before you know. U.S. shut down. We got it. Wow. Yeah. And you were like, you were internationally like seeing it, the first little spikes of it. That's got to be pr- quite, you know, quite the uh, game of telephone back home when those things are going on and, you know, seeing it firsthand and when things are actually shutting down, not necessarily what the, the, what the virus was turning into, but like, oh, this is coming, you know, and like, it's almost like you're watching the waves just come, come into the shore. That's crazy. 
Yeah. Hey, uh, Ron, with uh, regards to the, the shows you guys did play with Ellison uh, during this last November run, what was your what was your take on the audience and the way everything was set up and uh, just trying to connect with such a with the audience in such a interesting, I guess, paradigm? Uh, well, for those that were following the rules, uh, is very appreciated. Uh, I'll say that much. I'm not going to bash people who weren't wearing masks sure. or anything like that. Uh, but I was, I can say I was surprised uh, that as many people were at these shows as there were. That's for anything, sure. Yeah. Anything to feel normal. Uh, going to a show, regardless yeah. of the restrictions, feels somewhat normal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, but let's circle back real quick. If you don't mind, I'd love to go back to the beginning of January when the, with the new uh, Sons of Apollo record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you guys dropped this thing. Obviously, it, it took off, hit Billboard, and uh, at top of the charts there. And then what's it like then to say, hey, we have this new project, and you need to go right on the road. And is this something you're going to look back in like, maybe 2021 if something opens up for you guys, or maybe 2022 to kind of revisit it and, and re- continue that tour? That tour that we were doing, uh, we pushed to June, which didn't happen. To October, which didn't happen. So now it is rescheduled for May and June of 2021. And I just hope that the world is in a place where it can happen. Yeah. 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 Have you done any, a question for you on that. Have you heard or done any of the like pod shows, drive-in shows? Is that, are those on the docket for like, if these can't be in-person regular concerts um, with this tour coming up in May? I don't know. Like, are we going to all be, you know, Born in the plastic bubble type stuff. And, sure, yeah, yeah. Wayne uh, pointing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just was curious if they were like already thinking about, because you do have the, the shows pinned and like, you know, maybe they're just like going to switch it from inside to outside or what. It's crazy to think about, but. I guess that, that's up to the, the promoters if they want to switch the venues to outdoor venues. And I guess we just have to roll with it and sure. see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't predict a thing. At this yeah. point, you know, I said at the very beginning, it was like, I'm not making any plans. I'm just, whatever happens, just got to roll right. with it and just, yeah. Buckle up. For, for those, for how did Sons of Apollo come together? I know you've probably told the story a few times, but for all people, a lot of people who are uninitiated with who this band is and the players in it, it's, it's everyone's a monster player at, at their position, as you could say. Um, how did you guys come together and what's like to, to gel with that kind of, of of unit of players, I mean, from what Portnoy, sh- sh- uh, who else? Yeah, Mike uh, Portnoy on drums. Yeah, yeah, Billy, Billy Sheehan, Sheehan on bass. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto on vocals. Derek Sherinian on keyboards. Yeah, and it's, somehow they they let me sneak on stage and play with them. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we. I mean, there, there's a history with everybody in the band in some way. Uh, you know, I used to do Nam jams with with Billy and Mike and, and sometimes Billy and Ray Luzier uh, and I've done Metal Allegiance with Mike and we went on tour for a week doing that. Uh, a lot of different things. In 2013, me, Mike and Billy were the house band for uh, an Eddie Trunk big event in New York where we were the house band and guys from Anthrax, guys from Kiss, all different people, Tony Harnell, everybody was joining us on stage. Uh, so we've done a lot of things. I, I laid 
guitar tracks for an album that Billy was producing a few years ago for uh, Madame Mayhem. She's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And things like that. And then in 2014, Progressive Nation at Sea Music Cruise, that uh, it was uh, Mike, Billy, Derek, and Tony McAlpine on guitar, and I joined them for some jamming. And I remember when we finished, Derek said to me, we should form a band. <laughs> Which is basically that um, yeah but mike and i had always talked about doing something together and and mike hit me up early 2017 said hey you know how we always talk about doing a band together well me and derek have this idea of of doing this thing and you know what our dream team you know would be would be you know the two of us with billy on bass you on guitar and jeff scott soto on vocals i was like let's do it and we did it and we got into the studio we started writing where me and derek we would just come up with little riffs in our home studios and send it to this little three me mike and derek this little thread and we would just keep bouncing ideas so that we had a starting point when we, we would get together and we got together and billy got off tour and joined us halfway through and then when jeff got off tour uh he started writing vocals to it and we banged it out, put it together, put out the first album and then toured uh, a lot in 2018 and towards the end of it started writing for this new album and just worked on it throughout 2019 while we all did everything else that, that we do. We did a ton of solo stuff. Uh, the band Asia did a tour with them, uh, which originally we talked about doing that in 2017, but yeah. I was so busy with all these other things going on. Uh, so yeah, and then we got it out in 2020, and here we are, 2020. Well, it's such a it's such a unique project because you guys treat it as as, as as just a band. Like, hey, we record, we go on tour. I mean, because a lot of these projects they're just an album, and that's that was fun, guys. We'll recircle back at some point, but you you treat it like, hey, album site, album tour, album tour cycle. So very <laughs> unique for a band of that stature. Um, obviously, you you had Art of Anarchy. Is that something still that you guys are, are working on, or, or is that project kind of like you know? Do you, do you feel like something that one is on hiatus? Yeah, okay. yeah. That that one has had a lot of a lot of difficulties. It's been a rough road. That one. Yeah, sure, sure. Again, you got some uh, superstar players in that band. All really good. Uh, but yeah, I can imagine at some point you're gonna you're gonna run into these things. A lot of different things going on. Uh, Kit, I gotta ask the Asia thing. Yeah, <laughs> Asia. I, that's, uh, I mean, that band obviously has been through a lot of it, it, iterations, and obviously with losing John Wenton and things like that. But how did you come to be a member of Asia? So there was this sort of just like fun band that was Carmine a piece on drums. Rudy Sarzo on bass, uh, Jeff Downs from Asia, and yes, on keys, Phil Narrow from Talis, Billy Sheehan's band, on vocals, and I was on guitar, and Gene Cornish from The Rascals was on guitar. Like two totally different types of guitar players, and we were like yeah. two keys in a pod. It was great. I love that yeah. guy. Uh, so we did a show in Toronto and one in Chicago, in 2016, October of 2016, where we just played a bunch of music from all our backgrounds. And it was so much fun. And after that, uh, the guy who put it together, he asked me about doing Asia. And he said, in 2017, there's a tour, they're going to be opening for Journey. 
and would love to have you on guitar for it. And I was just so busy with my solo stuff, Art of Anarchy, Sons of Apollo, and just so much stuff, the hot sauce business. And I just told him, like, it's, it's, which, I got too much. Which we'll get to. Which we'll get <laughs> yeah. to, definitely. There was just too much going on. So, and sadly, John Wetton passed right before that tour happened, and Billy Sherwood took over from Yes on bass and vocals and was able to carry the torch very well. Yeah. So that was that. And, and then in 2019, uh, he hit me up again, said, look, we got this tour. We're opening for Yes. It's going to be a really cool thing. And we'd love to have you on guitar for that. And that was free. I was like, let's do it. And there was going to be another singer that was going to be doing it. And then he wasn't going to be able to do it. So they all said, hey, have Bumble do it. Let him sing. <laughs> That's the and big shoes of Phil with John yeah, Wayne's voice. The yeah. thing is, I sort of made a vow to myself. I am no longer going to be that guy that fills other shoes. It's just, mm. it's not who I, it's, that's not me. I'm the kind of person that starts a band, founding member, writes together as a team with the guys and, and like what Sons of Apollo is, that kind of yes. thing. That's, that's me. So I said yes. <laughs> Why not? And here I am now filling the shoes. So can, like, I, right, well, can I ask but, you just because I'm a, with the Yes and Asia tour uh, was uh, oh god, give me was uh, who's the guitar Pound? player? Yeah, was Steve is Pound. Hal not playing for Asia? Well, that's the thing is uh, Steve Howe was going to come out for the last four songs, the big hits, and join us for that. So that was the plan. Okay. I was like, oh, cool. I get to play with Steve Howe. I get to see, yes, my, you know, one of my favorite bands ever. Uh, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I started learning all the Steve Howe guitar parts. I started going back to the old guitar magazine, seeing what gear he used on the album, and, and really getting it all down, all the everything. Just wanted to do it right. And then for the vocals, it's like, all right, I am not that kind of singer. I'm more of a... You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, someone that has to sing like someone that's totally different, you know. I never meant to be so bad to you. And it's a totally different way of doing things. Uh, the way I always sang in the singers that, you know, the old school metal high pitched guys, you know, Tony Harnell, Rob Halford, uh, Dickinson, uh, all those guys. So, they are very open, bright, vibrato, that kind of thing, high range. And John Wetton is almost the opposite of that. Rarely vibrato. He would just shoot for the note and nail it, and just dead on. And the tone of his voice was this more of a chesty, breathy kind of thing. And yet with almost, like speaking French, where you have to go like, oh, this open nasal thing you have to have with it where it resonates there. So, and what's even trickier is that he's not opening up on the ah, eh, all those things. He's opening up on the things that are usually more closed. E, ooh, those kind of things. So huh. I basically spent two months relearning how to sing. And I spent two months, eight hours a day, just analyzing and practicing and trying to change the default go-to mechanism in my brain of what to tense and what to relax and everything to build new habits so that when I get up there, 
and there's you know thousands of people staring at me i don't suddenly break into and do that and do it the right way because i realized when i started watching a lot of videos of the band uh, i really did my homework going back to their first tours you know in 82 and and up to everything up to recent things and i noticed that it's so important to sing the songs the right way. If you sing with the wrong tone, it's the same as changing the words or changing the melody. People are going to listen to it and say, that's not how I remember it. That's not the way I loved the song. That's not taking me back to those days. It's not making me feel nostalgic. And that was what I needed to do for this, for those people that were coming to the show. I needed them to wow. feel like they were... You know, reliving <laughs> 1982 when the album came out and all those songs. And I needed to make sure that the tone of my voice matched. So I spent two months of just eight hours a day. And the first month was pretty scary. I just couldn't find it. And then it suddenly clicked and I got it. And then just worked it, worked it, worked it. And besides doing that vocally, getting down the guitar parts of another person that's anchoring down in different places than the vocals are. You know, the vocals were made for the guy playing bass, where, you know, It's in your eyes, no disguising it. You know, where it matches, not, uh, you know, no disguising it. And really comes is no surprise. Where, where you're like, hitting in different upbeats and things like that. So practicing that where I have to sort of get the two things together, you know, in the, even the simplest things that seem like simple songs, uh, you know, don't cry now that I have found you, don't cry, take a little rain. But then when you have uh, the next part, do what you want, little down, please don't cry. But the guitars go, do what you want, and as you're doing it slowly, a lot of the notes are like major seconds and things that normally wouldn't harmonize. Do what you want, so, so getting that down, getting comfortable with that, and with my left foot, I have to change all the guitar patches for the different sounds, and with my right foot, do all the vocal effects with a vocal thing, because we were also doing uh, you know, a lot of background stuff from, from the guys. We were doing, uh, what do you call it? Ah, COVID fog. Uh, ah, the bubbles. Uh, okay, uh, video killed the radio star. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it takes exactly <laughs> 10 seconds for me to get the word out of my mouth. Like, it's just a side effect. So we did that. We did Video Kill the Radio Star because Jeff Downs, that's his. Yes. So I had to sing. The Buggles. Oh, uh, so what I had to do for that song is I had a megaphone. So, so you have the vocal. I'm holding it. Somebody else hold it for you, dude. <laughs> And then change my vocal setting to a doubler and take this away and sing like the female backing vocals. Do that. And then 
put this down and switch to a megaphone sound on my right foot gear and do let's do this and for your second symphony with one hand new technology actually i'm still holding the megaphone i think so i have to play the guitar part with one hand so going and then switch and then switch back. children. And then another setting where I come in with the guitar, where I set a harmonizer to do to hit those harmonies where I'm going and then switch it back to and then switch to the fretless neck and go so like constant switching left foot right foot next type of singing and everything and just nailing that down and trying to make it look seamless and comfortable I for that because you see a guy up there like going like ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which in my head that's what i'm doing but yeah. on the outside i'm still like yeah so yeah wow can I ask you something, a question? Are you ambidextrous at all? Like, is that a, your thing? Like, how is your right brain and the left brain doing those things? Have you, do you have to practice this? Is this like a, I mean, you say that you practice it, but what you does that practice. really mean? What, oh, I mean, you, you, no, you got to practice it. It's, uh, it's something you got to practice. Like, I can't write my name with, with my left hand. I can't flip this around and play none of that. Uh, it's something you just got to practice. So you're you're legit firing right and left brain on your. I you, do. You, is there any like sort of like half breathing exercises or anything that you're doing to like open up this area of like memory? Essentially, the, the muscle memory is not there. So besides training yourself, there's still got to be a sort of like a resonance in, in your brain to take in the information, right? Well, you always have to be thinking ahead. It's like you have to be. You have to already have done it in your head before you do it. So it's sort of like, uh, like a buffer in a right. computer memory, same kind of thing. So it filters in as it does, and then it's there, it's sorted, and then it spits out uh, the stream the way it's supposed to. So I've actually, when I teach, uh, there's a lot of exercises I do to help practice thinking ahead. So that is something that when I'm teaching or doing guitar clinics or whatever it is, uh, doing music camps, stuff like that one thing that is very important to focus on is that aspect because music happens before you ever touch this before you sing a note before like the same way as we're speaking right now the ideas are already there and the feeling that we have and what we want to say is already there and then it comes out our mouth it's not right. like our mouth is making the words and the ideas and everything no it's it leaves you there it's the same thing with this the music leaves you at your hands or at your voice or at your hands and feet or whatever it is. So exercising the source of it and getting that prepped for everything you need to do and starting to back it up even more so that you're prepping even more before what has to happen. So outside of music, Ben, do you do tasks in your daily meanderings that like help you help get, guide that uh that process along like making coffee or whatever it is is this like a consistent version of like how you live your life you know I, I, it sounds like really impressive right when they do you you're saying you practice but i have to imagine that as as much as you practice and as much as somebody else practice you just have 
created a pathway, neural pathways inside of your mind that'll allow you to move quicker in those well, decisive decisions. You're like AI, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, everybody does this. You know, every time you drive a car, you're doing it. Sure. You, think about it. you know, you're checking the mirrors, you're looking at your speed, you know where you need to go, you're turning the wheel, you have the gas in the brake, like you're doing all of that. So we do do that. It's just practicing it in a different aspect of life. Yeah. It's really One about the commitment add, at that point, right? I mean, where yeah, you're just, setting yourself. Yeah. Focus, dedication, practice, all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. One thing I wanted to, to, to talk about for a second, you mentioned it uh, when you're trying to learn the Asia songs and you've got those people in the audience going, that's not how I remember I'm nostalgic. The problem, you've got like heat, heat of the moments, like an iconic like cultural pivot of a song for a lot of people because that kind of sums up the early 80s for a lot of people is that track. So I imagine just serving the song is all you really need to do because uh, it, seems like, it seems like when you guys were on the road with Journey, I'm sure you and Arnell could probably think, you know what, this is about the songs. It's not about the personas. It's just about serving these songs for these people because those bands weren't like face bands, you know. They just they were about the songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as long as the song sounds like the song, uh, that's the most important thing. And that comes first. The song comes first, always. Yeah. Uh, so with Asia, that was my intention to make sure that this sounds, you know, no matter what, I'm going to sound like me. I can't escape it no matter how hard I try. Uh, <laughs> but at least, you know, try. Yeah. So yeah. I made a very, I made the most valiant effort I could to try and deliver the songs in a way that would make people feel nostalgic. And from the response I got, a lot of people said that I, I pulled it off. So I'm, I'm happy. You know, I was, Yeah. Yeah, and listen, John Witten wouldn't have sounded like the John Witten at 82 if he was singing it in 2017. It's just, that's just the, the age process. So in a lot of ways, you can actually kind of take people back because your voice is going to be a little younger, uh, a little bit more, you know, more maybe within the frame of what they recall. Um, so it, it probably worked out really well for you. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a fantastic story, by the way. So thank you so much. That was a lot, but it was, it was great. What a, what a great process you went through to get it and the musicians listening to what you were saying and must be just going i gotta do my homework man i gotta do my homework. <laughs> I was like, no is, no you only have to be good enough to play the thing is you only have to be good enough to play whatever song you're playing so if you're gonna be going you know As long as you're in the pocket and, and playing it with, with the right attitude, you kick an ass and you're playing well. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's what it boils down to. Whatever song you're playing, just be able to play it well and comfortably and, and that's it. So that was my, <laughs> I, I took on a, a big, practice just practice 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 so then with all of this going on right we just went through like a mirage of this in, in incredible like two years essentially uh, and not to mention all of the other stuff past 2018 and what you have going on in the, in the in the future how do you find time to not only produce other acts like the dodies but also to find the acts like the dodies who are they're from the desert desert of israel right is that what i what i, they're what from I read the southern desert of israel they're an amazing band 
I listened. Uh, You're incredible. You did a great job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's like, how do you even describe it? Like, it, it reminds me of, of uh, Nirvana and Radiohead and a little maybe Very white astral. And yeah. yeah, so it's just really good, just noisy, gritty, but they are so talented. They are so good. And the songs are just so musical and deep and just phenomenal uh the singer he's definitely like that that tortured soul of a of an artist and he's a great singer and great songwriter so he sings plays guitar the drummer plays he's a great drummer and for most of the songs most of the time in the songs he's playing with just one arm and playing the bass on a synth with his left hand without even looking and singing back in vocals and he groups we did that whole album no click track no auto no anything just the two of them looking at each other playing and fantastic and the songs are so good and uh, the latest video they made that song alien uh they drew all the pictures and spent months making that video themselves. And it's so good. Yeah, everybody, check out the Dodies, D-O-D-I-E-S. Great stuff. I got to get them to the U.S. to do some shows. For sure. Did you do the record I, in Israel? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we did is, so I flew out. Yeah, I flew out because, you know, money is an issue. So, you know, they could have had two plane tickets coming to the U.S., had to get visas, had to get hotel rooms, had to rent a studio. Instead, I flew out there, I crashed out at the drummer's house, and uh, we spent a couple of days just organizing the songs and everything. They already had it down. They were good to go with that. So we started doing things like prepping. You know, I told them, saying, what happens after the album is done? We have to get all this stuff ready. So I got them registered with the performance rights organization, you know, to, to collect publishing and and all that kind of stuff and and make sure that the logo and then you know getting just web ideas and organizing all of their social media so that it has the same the dodies band for everything and it's not like one is dodies music the other is the dodies the other is the underscore dodie like just make it so that you just look up the dodies band and you'll find them anywhere little things like that the little details so prepped all of that stuff and then we went into a local studio and in three days, banged out all the music. And then I had brought with me an interface and some vocal mics. And we did, for the next three or four days, all the vocals and any tambourine and shakers and stuff like that, right in the drummer's house. And from there, spent a good day, day and a half, just organizing files and making sure everything was neat and right and good to go. File management is so important with this stuff. And then went back home and uh, started mixing the stuff. We both work on Cubase. That's our multi-track system that we use. So I can send them stuff, and they can add all their ideas. So they were doing that, too. It was really, they were co-producing. And all ideas for reverbs and things like that and everything, they put those in, sent it back to me, and then I mixed vocals and got those sounding right. There's a certain thing I like to do that creates a sheen on top so that the vocals will always sit in their own bandwidth in the high register above the music and they don't even have to be as loud you just always feel that breathy air in the vocals uh so just doing all that, those kind of treatments sound wise and getting everything good to go and we kept tossing mixes back and forth and getting it right and then i started 
obsessing over the mastering and doing all of that and getting that right and just making it sound loud and nasty and not too scooped actually kind of like mid-rangey like you're at a gig and just very in the face and uh, sort of a final warm uh low mid tone to it all in there and that's it and then we put it out can Man, I ask you're you? You're not just a producer. You're like a whole. You're the whole kit and caboodle going in there and and making sure that they're going to release proper. That's great, man. Kudos to you. That's like next level shit. No producer's ever done that with my my band. So thank you for, for doing that. <laughs> and so, then Seth, you know, I wanted to get them on tour, but you know, COVID happened. So hopefully next year I could get them out to the U.S. and start doing some shows. Yeah, and help with that too. I just I like to help bands. I like to help people do what they're doing. You know. Do you find a band like that? I mean, what's the hunger and inspiration of a band that you find out in the desert of Israel? What is, what is that like? It's I mean, the same as here. I've worked with bands from Dubai, from uh, you know, every part of the world you can imagine. Uh, yeah, everywhere. And it's all the same. You know, I've been to, trying to think of, of some place. Yeah, in Pakistan a couple of years ago, uh, doing shows out there. And you know what you find out there? A bunch of long-haired kids wearing Iron Maiden t-shirts jamming to Metallica. And then yeah. from there, you go to France. And you know what you find there? A lot of long-haired kids in Iron Maiden t-shirts jamming to Metallica. And then you go to Bahrain. And what do you find there? Long-haired kids wearing Iron Maiden t-shirts jamming to Metallica. The world is not so different. When it comes to music, we are so the same. And that's yeah. the greatest gift of traveling, especially going to the uncommon places that you might, you might not normally tour. You know, I do a lot of work with the, uh, with the government, uh, the State Department, where uh, different embassies bring me over and we do these, uh, I guess you can call them cross-cultural musical programs with local musicians and things. Mm -hmm. And it's the same everywhere. Music is so universal and united there is no difference between any of us when it comes to music yeah especially in the hard rock and metal thing that's always you know we're still still kind of seen as an outsider thing so i can imagine people's perception of bayran is they think that everyone is like you know so hard line everything but when you go and you see that you're right you see those kids in topeka kansas the long-haired kids with the maiden shirts on it's amazing yeah wherever you go in the world uh it's the same. People have the same spirit and the same loves and the same bonds. Yeah. And all the crap on the exterior that divides us or the manipulative things that try to divide us uh, for agendas, that, you strip that away. And you know, music is the opposite of that. It is. And yeah. it's wonderful to get out into the world and to have experienced that. You know, if I die tomorrow... Uh, I will die knowing that the world is actually not as fucked up as we think it is. And it's, no, it's, it's a pretty good place. Hell. You know, if you watch the news and you watch, you know, it's just, it's such bullshit. That's not reality. That is a tiny little blip of the picture. You know what the world is? A bunch of long head kids wearing Iron Maiden shows jamming a metallic. <laughs> God bless. Well, love hot sauce. <laughs> right? Do they all love hot sauce? Too? Yeah. Can can we speak about the opposite of music? Can we talk about your hot saucing? This is an, it was fascinating. 
Actually, having hot sauce is talking a lot with the hot sauce. That's great. No, hot sauce is not the opposite of music because hot sauce is actually the heavy metal of food. I will explain. I will explain. So I got to hear this. You notice how a lot of rock and metal musicians love hot sauce and they even start making hot sauce. And I thought about that. I was like, what is it that, what is the appeal? Well, first of all, no music will get you as riled up and as crazy and, and as worked up as metal. None. There is no music as intense as metal. Uh, nothing. So for people that love metal, love rock, and that want to play it and share it and create it and give people that same experience, for those people out there that want to give people the most intense experience they can have through music, they tend to live that way. They want to give everyone the most intense experience they can in whatever they do. So when it comes to food, nothing can be as sour, as bitter, as salty, as sweet, as umami, as anything as hot sauce is hot. Nothing, no food will leave you where your nose is running, your eyes are tearing, you're sweating, you can't breathe, you're screaming, you're trying to chug milk for like a half hour. Nothing will give you that intense of an experience as capsaicin molecules can. So I love hot sauce. I love spicy food. I always, since the age of 12, since someone dared me to eat my first hot pepper, and I did, and I loved it. Uh, so that, that's been a love of mine. So it finally, the same way when you love music, finally reaches a point that you want to start playing music and you want to start making music and you want to start sharing music the same way it was shared with you. You want to make people feel as good as music made you feel. Well, I want to make people hurt as much as they made me feel with hot sauce. So, <laughs> so I was going to say, man, heavy metal doesn't make me cry. <laughs> hot sauce does. <laughs> well, it makes you want to scream. It makes you want to hold those people in the face. Absolutely. It so it's either, it's either hot sauce or coffee. So there you go. <laughs> so you like multiple so flavors now, right? So, yeah. Uh, so in 2012... Uh, I started looking even before that for a company that I could connect with to start making hot sauce with, to do this for real. And then a company called K-Johns out in Columbus, Ohio, I connected with them. And I remember I was doing the residency in, with Guns N' Roses in Vegas in 2012. And in between shows, flying out... <laughs> flew out to Ohio and got in the kitchen with them and went to the supermarket because we were trying to add the idea for blueberries and my bumblicious hot sauce, but it just wasn't popping enough. Once you cook them, they got too mellow. So they said, hey, let's try sour cherries. And we tried that and, and that worked. And, and they were just, you know, they, they knew how to make it happen and they made it happen. Uh, so I came with a bunch of ideas and they brought it to life and, and more and their own ideas and everything. And it was a great... It was fantastic. So we rolled out a line of six sauces, of which two of them, actually three of them, had won first place uh, prizes in their categories at, I guess, what you can call the NAM show of hot food. It's called Zest Fest in Dallas, Texas in January. It's basically the NAM of spicy food. And I got three first place awards in my line of, of sauces. And then in 2019, Kajon sold the company. And said, all right, I'm going to have to really 
put together my own food company and I got a manufacturer, I got the bottler, I got the, the distributor and started getting resellers. And now I have in Norway, in Germany, in the UK, in Australia, uh, of course, the US, uh, the main one, and relaunched the sauces the end of last year. And again, two of the sauces that I put out, Bumbalicious and The Sauce, first place awards in their categories in Zestfest in 2020. So I have two sauces that are both two-time first place award-winning sauces, they are. So let me tell you about my sauces. (laughs) So we have, I wanted to make a sauce that goes with everything, something that goes with Mexican food and even Italian food, because not all sauces do. You know, Italian is specific. You know, you need oregano. There's a certain Mediterranean thing going on that it needs to be able to work with. So Greek food, Italian food, Mexican food, Thai food, Lebanese food, uh, Korean food, things like kimchi, where it's using like that that real red peppery thing. Uh, Everything. So the sauce is that. It's uh, all-purpose sauce that goes great on your eggs in the morning. It goes great on every kind of food you want to have it with. uh, Something that you would keep on the table all the time and use for everything. So that's the sauce. A mild, tasty sauce. And that's it. The sauce. In fact, the person that came up with the name for that, because I was so stumped on the name, I was just like, everything sauce. No. This sauce. That sauce. Uh, All-purpose table sauce. No, too clinical. And then Okay, do you know uh, Arthur Brown? Do you know who that is? Crazy uh, world of Arthur Brown. In the late 60s, I am yeah. the god of hellfire. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I bring you <laughs> So, you know, he was on that Yes Asia tour with us. And, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, so full of energy, and he would paint up his face just like, you know, he always did. And just so just fantastic so his son was at one of the shows and we were hanging out and, and talking about hot sauces and diet and exercise and this and that and just just everything and he said why well, just call it the sauce I'm like you know what yeah so Arthur Brown's son came up with with that idea for the sauce and then the <laughs> other one I had is this zesty mild but nice little peppery kick of a barbecue type of hot sauce. It has cherry, bourbon, chipotle, and literally people drink this sauce. I've had people drink it because they like it that much. It is a really tasty sauce. And that one is called Bumbalicious. So, okay. now the hottest one. Okay, are you familiar with the show uh, Hot Ones? Just was going to ask you, are we going to go on Hot Ones? With, are you on a Hot Ones with this? this I wish I would is, is that to. the thing? Is that the documentary about those people that are eating all the ghost peppers and everything like that? Is that the well, one? Hot Ones is a, it's like an online series where different okay. people are eating spicy wings with hotter and hotter sauces on them while they're being interviewed. Uh, so Hot Ones, the people that make that show, they have a blog called First We Feast, and they name the 10 hottest sauces in the world. And my hottest sauce, my third sauce, they listed as, I believe, number three on that list of the world's hottest sauce. And this sauce is really brutally, painfully hot. Literally a dot. Just a dot. It with your food and you'll be burning up. It's a serious chemistry going on. And this sauce is called Bumblefucked. 
Get into that sauce. And I would say for a full plate of food, if you want to be on fire, just a drop is all it takes. And your plate, your entire plate of whatever it is, your mountain of food will be lit up and you will feel it for a good long time. You will be in the back of an ambulance. (laughs) Hey, Ron, this is a show. Sorry, I just wanted to ask, did, they, did anybody try it on the hot ones? Can, is there like an episode where like, you know, they go through those, the entire sauce thing? I don't think they did, but there are oh, a lot of people on YouTube that have tried it and filmed themselves. Incredible. And so find the, bottle, the bottle art has this guy that is like, tongue is like sticking out and, and a nuclear bomb going off in his head and his eyes popping out and like completely exploding like that. So... Uh, there's a company that made an app, an Instagram app, that imitates that. So I have a bumble-fucked Instagram app where you look into it, and if you open your mouth, your eyes pop out, a nuclear bomb goes off. And, yeah. So people should go to Bumblefoot's Hot Sauce on Instagram, and you can get the app there. It's a free app. Yeah. And it's pretty fun to just... Yeah. I was gonna say if you I'm, get I'm a, looking for it right now. If you get a chance, <laughs> Netflix has a show on called We Are the Champions. It's a documentary show. Yes, episode number two. Chili eating. Yeah, I, I, that was cruel. Oh, f- yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny Scoville, the guy with the beard like mine. Yeah, yeah. Usually braided. And, uh, yeah, he did a review of of my sauce on there. And now the guy Ed Curry, he's the inventor. Yes. There it is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is bumble eft. That is the stuff. All right. Very good. Wow. So so, so now, Ed Curry, he's the inventor of the Carolina Reaper, and he is a mad scientist, a genius when it comes to uh, creating hybrids and the nutrients in the soil that bring out certain properties. So, Every Christmas, uh, I go down to North Carolina to see my in-laws, and then we drive 45 minutes down day after Christmas or two days after, and I meet up with Ed Curry and his family, and we have lunch together, and then we go back to his place, and he shows me all the new peppers he's working on, and, and, and he just loads me up with bottles of hot sauce, and I keep telling him, no, no, stop it. And I have a crate of hot sauce that I have to bring back with me that I just spend the rest of the year until the following Christmas just putting on everything. He's a wonderful guy. in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) He is truly a wonderful guy. Yeah, the hot sauce subculture is full of really, really cool people. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. Uh, I love watching you. Like, for anybody who's not watching this, go to the YouTube channel and watch bumblefoot get jacked on hot sauce it's like it's like him playing guitar but we're talking about hot sauce it's an you're an incredibly enthusiastic person now i'm going to try your bumblefuck tonight i'm going to find out where i can get it and order it because i just want to know what it's what it's like you know to be i do want i do want i do want the video of that by the way so yeah i'll send it just a drop at most thank you seriously it's yeah and it's perfectly uh, set up the sauce where when you first touch it to your tongue, you first taste it, everything it touches tingles like Novocaine, like uh, your lips, your gums, your tongue. And then 
count to 10, 10 seconds exactly. And then after exactly 10 seconds, you suddenly feel this sense of heat as if like you opened an oven door always in the back of your throat. You feel this heat go like that. And then after about a minute, slowly this, like your whole body's like that and your, your, your torso is just, feels like it's um, just like in an oven and everybody has the same look and the same walk. They like do this like stiff armed walk and they're just going. Oh my God. And when that happens, oh they gosh, usually gosh. say, yeah. And then they say, yeah, I just got bumble fucked. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Well, listen, surprisingly uh, that sauce is the best seller. It is. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're going to do it, just dig in and, and just go the whole nine yards. Uh, speaking of the whole nine yards, uh, Bumblefoot, we've had you for like an hour, man. And, and listen, I know we could probably keep you for another two because these stories are amazing and there's just so much. We, we would love to definitely do a part two with you at some point because there's so much more we want to cover with you. Cool. And uh, I think for right now, though, uh, tell you what, let's remember to let everyone know uh, Planetary Lockdown. Go check that out on YouTube. It seems like a really extraordinary uh, event that took place that, uh, that Ron was in charge of. Also, check out the new Ellison record, new Sons of Apollo record. Check out his uh, Bumblefoot sauces. And you can find those at United Sauces. Is that right? UnitedSauces.com, Chad? Is that where yeah, you that you can, If you want to find all over the world, world um you can go to my instagram and in the bio you click on the link and then it says you know to get them from germany to get them from norway to get them okay. from australia all that stuff but in the u.s i do have little short links like bitly links so if you do bit.ly hyphen and then bf like bumblefoot bf sauce and that'll take okay. you to the u.s one uh then i have all different ones but yeah you got that Google it and you guys will find it at some place. And also, uh, check out his new band he's produced, uh, the, the, the Dodies. Is it Dodies? The Dodies. Yeah, out of Israel. So that sounds like really interesting. If you guys kind of like more of a garage rock, maybe uh, Radiohead type stuff, that might be something you want to check out. Um, listen, guys, don't forget to uh, subscribe to Making Waves. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review and tell your friends. Um, listen, on, on behalf of myself, Justin, and, and obviously our co-host, Chad, uh, and all of us here at Ask for Entertainment, including our engineer, Jennifer Zito, our show coordinator, Heather Smith, our producer, Al McManus, and of course, none other than uh, nobody else but the captain, Alan Koenig, uh, remind you guys to rock hard and vacation harder. Thank you so much, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for being here, man. You're the best. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. A suitcase, a suit, a suit, I have a suitcase, a suit, a suit, I have a suitcase full of hot sauce. We had a storage unit in Germany. We had a storage unit I have in Germany. Case, 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 full of hot sauce, a suit. A suit, a suit, a suit, a suit, 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 full of hot sauce. A suit, a suit, a suit, 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 full of hot sauce. In Germany, in Germany, in Germany, I have a storage unit full of hot sauce.
the storage unit full of hot sauce, hot sauce, hot sauce. In Germany, a soup, a soup, a soup, a soup, a soup, 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 soup full of hot sauce. In Germany. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.